This is Pastor Bill Woods, and I want to come and talk to you a little bit today about things that I think are very important for Christians to understand. I remember when I was a full-time pastor before I retired, I'd often go and make house calls in people's homes and try to help them and encourage them that they, they let Jesus Christ have control of every part of their life. Today I want to talk to you about something that uh, Satan uses that many times we don't even realize is sin. And that's resentment. Resentment is poison. As we watch prophecy being fulfilled every day and, I, and hear the reports about the Great Reset, which I talked about last week, which is supposed to be coming January 2021, it becomes very frightening. And I think each one of us needs to ask, if I were to die today, uh, am I ready? Or if I, if Jesus Christ were to come with a rapture today, would I be ready to go to be with him? Paul talks to us in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 about the rapture. He says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Paul talks about it in another place in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 54, and he tells us when Jesus is going to come, he'll catch up all the Christians to take them to the marriage feast of the Lamb. Now, I want you to realize the rapture is different than the second coming. The rapture, we are caught up to meet him in the air, and we go to be with him, and the second coming is when Jesus Christ comes back down to earth and sets up his millennial kingdom. But I want to read to you what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. 51 through 54. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. I certainly don't want to be here to face the great tribulation that's coming after the rapture. And, and I don't want to face the wrath of Satan and his Antichrist. And I really don't need to worry about that if I've got Jesus Christ in my heart and I, I have a close personal relationship. Well, how can I know that I'm prepared to go with Christ when he comes for his church? Uh, make certain everything is surrendered to God's will. That means that all anger, lust, bitterness, and resentments must be surrendered to Christ and your heart cleansed from all these negative killers of your spiritual walk. You know, sometimes people don't understand that Christians cannot afford the luxury of all these negative things in their life because it destroys them. It can re render physical problems. It can render problems with family and other relationships. We need to have God help us take care of these things. 
Now, many Christians are harboring bitterness in one form or another, not realizing that these negative attitudes can ruin their relationship to Jesus Christ and cause them to miss the most important event that's ever going to happen, going to heaven to be with Jesus for all eternity. Listen, you cannot entertain a bitter spirit if you want to go to heaven. For that reason, I want to talk to you today about resentment. Resentment is poison. It's like an acid that destroys the container that it's in. Uh, and it, resentment is sin and will keep you out of heaven. You probably can't deal with it on your own, but Jesus can cleanse your heart if you give him permission to do so. Like I said, it is an acid that destroys the container, and if you have resentment, you are the container. Listen to Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus gave a very startling warning about forgiveness. He says, if you refuse to forgive others, God, your Father, will not forgive your sins. Why, when we want revival, doesn't it come? We want souls saved. We want our church, no, God's church, to grow. But uh, so often we're just dead on the vine. We make excuses and rationalize why miracles don't happen, but that's all they are, just excuses. I hear people say, well, it's the music. We need better music. Uh, you know, your music is nice to have, but you're there for the message from God. You know, they, they say, well, the pastor doesn't dress right, or he isn't dignified enough, or I don't get any spiritual food. And I've often wondered what spiritual food they're talking about. Uh, sometimes they say, well, it's our location. We're in an area where there's too much crime, and, and it doesn't. the church doesn't meet my needs. I want you to know something here. We're not at church to meet our needs. We're at church to meet God's needs. God needs us to worship and obey. And when we do that, then God will meet our needs. But there's a thousand excuses why we aren't growing in our spiritual life or our church isn't growing. And that's all they are, just excuses. Have you ever found a, a potato that's gone bad? A spot of rot in the potato that must be surgically removed if the meal's to be wholesome. You can't just, you know, serve that piece of potato with the, the rot in it and make it taste good. Worse, if you haven't checked the potatoes for a while, the rot might have spread through the whole bag, making all the potatoes unusable, ready for the garbage can. Rotten potatoes stink. They're unappetizing. They're unusable. They're contagious to wholesome potatoes. You can't use rotten potatoes for a meal because, well, they're rotten. It happens sometimes in church among Christians, too. Something happened that's caused bitterness, and we can't just let it go. And Satan is going to come and help you understand how rotten your situation is, how mistreated you have been. He knows that God can't use you if you're filled with a rotten spirit, and he knows that often your whole attitude can be passed on to other people in the congregation. I remember when I left Deer Valley Church, the Nazarene, and I arrived in Stevenson. Now, Deer Valley was a pretty good-sized church, but there were some things happened that I'll go into some other time. 
but I went to a church that was about like a startup church for a, a young pastor. And I remember I arrived with an attitude that this just wasn't fair. And there were people in the congregation. There was Tina and Peggy and, and the twins and Steve that they matched my attitude. They didn't like me very well. And it became a horrible, horrible, rebellious time. The worship services, they'd get up and they'd sing. And they, they just were in rebellion against my leadership. And I was upset because the way they were acting. And it just did not work. And so after two miserable years, God confronted me in my office one Saturday morning. I was praying, I thought. Actually, what I was doing was complaining. I was having a pity party. You know, the only people that, have, that attend pity parties are me, myself, and I and Satan. Anyhow, God broke in when I was sitting there feeling very sorry about the situation. And he said, I thought I called you to preach. I said, you did. He said, I thought you said you'd go wherever I sent you. I said, I did. Then he said, then what's the problem? And I said, I guess there is no problem, Lord. Now, this is one of the two or three times in my whole life that God spoke audibly to me. My attitude changed, and then the church's attitude changed, and we had five very productive years. God couldn't use me, or he couldn't use that church for his purpose as long as bitterness was destroying us. People harboring resentment don't understand the price they're paying for that luxury. Friendships are broken. Jobs are lost. Homes demoralized. Psychosomatic illnesses develop. The once vibrant relationship with God fades and loses their romance that we once had. Personality grows brittle and unbending. Resilience and flexibility are lost from the personality. Emotions become unstable. Energy, which once was productive, is turned inward and productivity drops and effectiveness dwindles. All this comes from resentment and negative attitudes. It's the worst disease of the soul and the mind. Resentment comes from a variety of situations involving a perceived wrong, whether it's real or imagined, has been done to us, which brings feelings of injustice or humiliation. Resentment turns to bitterness, an acid, like I said, that only destroys you, the container. How can you expect God to use something that's full of rot? What are the effects of resentment? Resentment is strongest when it's caused by someone we've been close to. An injury, injury causing resentful feelings inflicted by a friend or, or loved one makes us feel betrayed. And these feelings can have deep effects. I can remember in one of the churches I was pastoring, there were some things that were said that were not based on truth. And some people were getting upset because of the pastor. And, and one of the ladies that we had known for a number of years and Marty had been friends with for a long time uh, and, and seemed like she should have said, well, pastor, we're supporting you in prayer and we're supporting you to know that uh, we're going to be right there with you. I'll, instead, what her reaction was is, well, I'm not going to take sides. Uh, and, and I can't help but tell you how hurt I was at that time. Resentment is emotionally debilitated if not dealt with. It causes many negative results like touchiness or edginess. When we think of the person 
uh, we resent or, or the situation that almost destroyed us. We can say there's no anger or hatred against this person, and yet we can be provoked to anger when they're given positions of recognition, when people say, well, how great they are and all that. Resentment has a long-term effect, like developing hostile, cynical, sarcastic attitudes that splash into others' relationships, lack of personal emotional growth, having trouble being open to those we love, having trouble trusting others, a loss of self-confidence, and overcompensation. What's interesting is resentment doesn't have any direct negative effects on the person that we resent. I mean, you know, they, they, they aren't bothered by it very much except to it, it just deteriorates our relationship with them. To further compound these negative effects, resentment drags us down. We get depressed. Sometimes we feel ill. And our resentment feelings destroy communication between us and the person we think wronged us, which results in more miscommunication and develop even more resentment. Resentment has the unique quality of being internalized, where it can do further emotional and psychological damage, but that still doesn't impact the person that we resent. <laughs> We're only hurting ourselves. So people hang under their resentments because they feel justified in feeling the way they do. Justified or not, nobody who wants to be happy and productive can afford to hold on to resentment. Uh, nobody in the Bible was more justified to harbor resentment than Joseph. Remember how he had been sold by his brothers into slavery and taken away uh, into Egypt? He was only doing what he thought was good. His dad asked him to go out and deliver a care package to his brothers who were out taking care of the sheep. And he came and they saw him coming and they had some bitterness because of the, the poor relationship they had with him because Jacob wasn't doing a good job of, of taking care of his family and letting them know how important he, he favored Joseph. Well, now Joseph could have fought back or perhaps just sulked in self-pity or floundered trying to use other ineffective defense mechanisms. He did the only thing a strong person does. He rose above the people and the circumstances and the places which might have provoked resentment within him. Remember, I said his brothers rejected him and sold him into slavery. He went into Potiphar's home and, and uh, gained, you know, a lot of prestige with Potiphar and was given a lot of responsibility. And Potiphar's wife lied about him and had him throw it into prison. And, and in prison, he met this butler who promised to remember him when he got out of prison, and he didn't. Joseph wasted precious time in prison, serving time for a crime that he did not commit. And, and you know, we think about this. He kept a good attitude wherever he went and always was able to rise to the top uh, with whatever circumstances he was in. How do you stop resentment from taking over? What's the cure for resentment if it's in your mind and life? Resentment that crops up on the job or in the home or at church or in social relationships will spread like gangrene to all areas of your life. It'll destroy your happiness. It'll destroy the happiness of your home. Only radical surgery by the Holy Spirit can restore life to what's supposed to be. 
The only cure for resentment is being willing to receive the cleansing of the Holy Spirit. A person may rationalize that he's got a right to feel the way he does, that, you know, he, he can be resentment and, and he can believe his feelings are justified because of the way he's been treated, the injuries he's had and how he suffered. He may excuse himself by saying, resentment is not just my problem, it's a problem everybody faces. Psychologist James J. Messina recommends five steps to facing and resolving resentful feelings. One, identify the source of the resentful feelings and what the person did to cause these feelings. Two, develop a new way of looking at past, present, and future life, including how resentment has affected your life and how letting go of resentment can improve your future. Three, write a letter to the person you resent, listing off offenses and explaining the circumstances, and then forgive and let go of it. And by the way, I would not send that letter. It's for your own personal benefit that you're writing this. Think of Number four, think about a future without the negative impact of resentment. And number five, if resentful feelings still linger, go back to step one and begin again. This doesn't change the fact that resentment is sin. Because of the consequences of resentful feelings, they're dangerous and need to be dealt with. It's like the rotten potato in, in the bag. Resentment and bitterness stink. They make us unusable to God. They are contagious to the church body. Resentment poisons relationships and must be handled by introspection and forgiveness. You know, there's no solution for sin except forgiveness and cleansing. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Too many people, though, instead of confessing their sins and asking forgiveness, let the problem fester. I remember reading about a convicted killer, Wesley Dodd. He said the reason he was doing all the crime that he did rape and murder and all these things is because his dad wouldn't come to his concerts at school and he resented and wanted to reach out and hurt people. Jim Corbett had wrote a book, uh, Man Eaters uh, Kumanon, uh, Man Eating Tigers in India. He talked about how uh, there had been a tiger coming into some of the Indian villages at night and and finding people asleep and, and killing them and, or stalking children and all. They, they had him come. He was a professional hunter. They had him come in to hunt down this man-eating tiger that had injured and killed so many people. And uh, so one night he was out there on the stand trying to find out where this tiger was. And he heard the tiger coming. And he heard the tiger every time he took a step. He moaned and, and hurt, it sounded like. And, and uh, he didn't know, you know, what was the matter with the tiger, what had caused this. But he, true to form, had been hired to kill the tiger. And he shot the tig tiger. And he went over to see what might be matter, a matter. And he found out that the tiger had injured his paw. And it had festered. And it made it impossible for him to run and hunt down other animals. And so he had turned on slow man and began to hunt down and eat him. You know, a lot of times we let things faster and turn us into man killers when we really don't need to. We just need to turn these injuries to God. 
We want to blame others for our resentful feelings and tell ourselves we have a right to feel this way, but it's really our choice. Let me remind you, resentment is sin. God cures sin when we confess it to him. Why let this emotional cancer eat you when God has the cure? I, I heard about when I was in philosophy uh, class in college, we talked about a stoic boy who had stolen a fox from some somebody uh, that was raising foxes and, and he was caught and he slipped the fox underneath his robe and he, he was taken to trial. He said, no, he didn't know anything about the fox. But while he was standing there and because it was saying how he was stoic, didn't show any pain, the fox was chewing his entrails and soon he collapsed and died. You know, we, we kind of do that. We say, well, you know, resentment doesn't bother and I don't have a problem. We try to hide it. And the whole time it's destroying us from the inside. We want revival. Revival won't happen until God cleanses the resentment and bitterness of his people. Remember the potato? You must get rid of the rot. Then your service will be appetizing and usable and contagious. A teacher once told her students to bring a clear plastic bag and a sack of potatoes to school. For every person, she said, that uh, you refuse to forgive and that has hurt you, you, you need to choose one potato and write on it the name of that person and the date and put that potato in the plastic bag. And, and uh, some of their bags were quite heavy. She told them to carry this bag with them everywhere for one week, putting it beside their bed at night, putting it on the car seat when they were riding or driving, putting it next to their desk at work or at school, and the hassle of lugging this around with them demonstrated what a weight they were carrying spiritually and how they had to pay attention to it all the time to not forget and keep leaving it in embarrassing places. Naturally, the potatoes deteriorated to a nasty slime. This was a great metaphor for the price we pay for keeping our pain and heavy negativity. Too often we think of forgiveness as a gift to the other person, but it clearly is for ourselves. Remember what Jesus said, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. My prayer is, God, please don't let anything be in my life that would ruin my relationship to you or to others. You know, the resentment makes the price too high to continue letting it dictate my life. I will remind you again, Jesus is coming. Or if you happen to go to face him in death before the rapture, I, I, feel, I know that you feel the same way I do. I don't want resentment to ruin my relationship with Jesus Christ. I want, when I stand before him, instead of hearing him say, depart, I never knew you, I want him to say, Blessed servant, enter thou into the things that are prepared for those who love me. Jesus will cleanse when I'm willing to surrender it all to him. I remember so many times I've talked to people. They say, well, I don't know what I can do about my resentment. It's just something that's there. Well, confess it to Jesus Christ. Say, it's beyond me to be able to do this, but Lord, if you'll help me, if you'll forgive me and you'll flow your love through me and out to the other person, then I'll be willing to do that. 
And I know that if you begin to pray for the person you resent and you begin to look for ways to, to uh, make up the relationship with them, I know that God will help you to get rid of this poison that destroys the soul. My prayer for you is that you will be victorious. And uh, in fact, I want to pray for you right now. Dear Jesus, some of the people out here that are listening have been victims of resentment. Satan has come in and he's somehow helped them to feel that they have a right, a just cause to feel the way they do, to live the way they're living, to not forgive people that maybe they should, that they ought to forgive. And God, I just pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you'll help those people who are being defeated by resentment and these negative attitudes that Satan tries to help us to endure. I pray that you'll help us, Lord, just to let go of that and find the victory that you have for each one of us. And Father, if there are those listening that don't know you as their personal Savior, help them to realize what an important decision this is while we still have time to confess our sins to you, to repent, to turn around in our living, and to begin living the way you want us to, to serve you. Lord, we just ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, thank you. This, again, is Bill Woods. I, I uh, enjoy putting these things together, and I hope that you're getting something out of them. If you want to contact me, my email address is lowercase rev wmwwoods at gmail.com. My mailing address is box 4031 Sun Valley, Arizona 86029. And I, I will do whatever I could if I hear from you to help you however I could. God bless you real good. And I hope to talk to you again next week. God bless.